official. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Daily Power Parsha. Today is Thursday, July 22nd, 2021, and this is our exploration of reading number five of the Torah portion of Ve'etchanan or Ve'eschanan. So yesterday we had a huge day of DPP because we had the Ten Commandments. And I should say that even though we went through the Ten Commandments and I shared some insights, there are so many more insights that I did not share with you. Well, I mean, Torah is 70 facets, right? Plus at least 70 facets, if not like the micro facets, facets within facets. Um, but there's so much to talk about. There's ways that you can read the commandments and understand how these 10 are the core of all 613 mitzvot. There are rabbis, there are sages that have done the work, that have explained and demonstrated how you can take any mitzvah and show its origin in one of the Ten Commandments. Um, there are commentaries that talk about the two sets of tablets, and I think I've mentioned this before, where you know you have, imagine the visual of the two tablets, which I should mention parenthetically, were square and not round-topped. We know this based on various sources. The depiction of the rounded-topped tablets, it's not authentic. It's not legitimate according to authentic Jewish sources. And they were so, made of sapphire. And they were, yes, yes. And they were made of gorgeous, hand-mined by Moses sapphire, at least the second set of tablets. Um, and, and, oh, so there were, so there were, the, the Ten Commandments, five on one tablet, five on the other tablet, you know, in a row, like t one, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. There's a whole system of study that compares one and six. In other words, instead of reading them down and then the next column, what would happen if you read them across, right? What would happen if you would read one and then instead of going down, you would just skip to the next, skip, go, go left, right? Because right to left, go left to the next tablet and then go two, and seven, three, and eight, nine, no, four, man, my math, four, and nine, and five, and ten, and you would get some incredible insights. For example, just do a quick one. What's commandment number one? I am the Lord your God. And what's commandment number six? Do not murder. And our sages have told us that why is, what is the issue with murder? I mean, there's a lot of them. But at the core of it is, every human being has created the divine image. So how can one go ahead and just take out the divine image, right? This person, every person, this person also is creating the divine image. How can another person end that person's life? You're, you're harming the divine image. And what about commandment number two? That's an easy one, right? Harkens back to yesterday's conversation, Donna. Um, do, uh, do not have any other gods and do not commit adultery, right? The same idea of not going elsewhere, whether it's in divine worship or in, whether it's our divine relationship or our human relationships, that's the second and sixth commandment, a second and number two and number seven. Anyway, the point is not to, I'm not going to go through all of them. But there's so many interesting ways in which the Ten Commandments can be studied. So let's. So that, yeah. I'm sorry. So you're saying they're somehow related, also the structural way. Yeah. 
right? Because that's something that we've all talked about before is that you have, there's different layers of Torah study. So you can study something a simple way, a deeper way, but then there's also, you can study the shape of the letters. You can study the numerology and you can study within the 10 commandments, the, I don't know what it would be called, the um, position, position, position. Yeah, the position and juxtaposition of the actual physical tablets, right? Imagine the tablets, yeah, the three-dimensional tablets in front of you, and you're not reading them down and then, you know, top down, top down, but you're reading them across. Does it work? It works perfectly. It works beautifully. And it's incredible. There's such and symmetry it, in Torah. That also says that it's not like one is more important than ten. It's not like it doesn't, you know. Correct. We may think, it was, you know, top ten, one. Yeah, 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 yeah. right. Yeah. Start with one and then by number ten, don't covet. Ah, no big deal. Um, I'll also say, hold on, what was I thinking as you said that? I'll also say that... Um, you mentioned the structure, reading it across. Not one's not more important than the other. Okay, I don't remember. Um, okay, all right. So let's leave, so let's so that's just a, just a quick follow up on yesterday's conversation about the Ten Commandments. Today we're going to go to the next reading. Remember, this is not the chronological order of the Jews showing up to Sinai and getting the Torah. This is Moses recounting the experience at Sinai some 40 years later, shortly before his passing. Okay, so now I'm going to share my screen with you. Let's do this. Screen share, ve'et chanan. Boom. Okay, reading number five. Let's pull it up and let's jump in. All right, Deuteronomy chapter 5, reading 5, chapter 5, verse 19, and let's begin. The Lord spoke. This is Moses speaking to the people about what happened 40 years earlier. The Lord spoke these words to your entire assembly at the mountain, Mount Sinai, out of the midst of the fire, the cloud, and the opaque darkness. What a description, right? There was fire and there was a cloud and opaque darkness. And God said these words to you with a great voice, which did not cease. Now in the Hebrew, it's kol gadol velo yasaf. A great voice, velo yasaf, which did not cease. Let's see if we have a um, Rashi. We do. Uh, before we get to the Rashi, let's continue the verse. Let's just finish it off. And he inscribed them, these 10 utterances, these 10 commandments, these 10 spoken proclamations and commandments. He inscribed them on two stone tablets and gave them to me. All right, let's pause in the narrative and let's jump into Rashi. So God's voice, you heard God's voice, which did not, it was a great voice and it did not cease. Rashi says, um, oh, you know what? He, Rashi just says, the Targum, the Dinatzis, which we know because we have the translation. But let's look at the brackets. Okay? Because it is human nature that one is unable to utter all his words in one breath, but he must pause. Whereas the characteristic of the Holy One, blessed be he, is not so. So that's one way of understanding. What does it mean that God's voice did not stop? So typically, if you have a lot to say, if I have a lot to say, 
every few words, we take a breath, we continue. But God doesn't need to take a breath. God doesn't have lungs, right? God doesn't have a body. God doesn't have the physical limitations. So God does not need to stop. And since, so God did not pause. And since he did not pause, he did not have to resume. For his voice is strong and exists continuously. This is all from from the Talmud. San 17a stands for Sanhedrin, tractate Sanhedrin 17a. Another explanation of Veloyasaf is that he never again revealed himself so publicly as he did at Mount Sinai. Accordingly, the meaning of this phrase is he did not continue. So there's two interpretations that Rashi says. I'm going to highlight it in the verse. Right, so Moses recalls the voice of God and he describes it as a great voice which did not cease. That's explanation number one. What does it mean did not cease? God didn't need to, to reload the breath to continue talking. God continued those Ten Commandments in one breath. Okay, not no breath, but uninterrupted. Second interpretation is not did not cease. God's, God, uh, this was said in God's great voice, which did not ever repeat again, which did not, this experience did never, never did happen again, never happened again, never will happen again. There will never be a second revelation at Sinai type thing. And the meaning of this, the reason why this is so significant is just going back to something that I mentioned a few days ago in a class. You know, there were those over history, throughout history that said, oh, God abandoned the Jewish people and God gave a new Torah. God gave new instructions, right? I mean, even think of the name of the Bible that's used in other religions. What do they call it? The New Testament, right? That's the English name, at least the New Testament. What does that mean? It means that there's the Old Testament, God's original words, and then there's the New Testament. Okay, Judaism doesn't believe that God's doing this again. That's the core, that's ultimately, if you really want to know, that's at the core of it. Based on the Torah, based on our understanding of Torah, it's God, God doesn't change. God doesn't change his mind. God doesn't, God is eternal. And this is the one and done revelation, instruction. This is it. And so that's, Moses is not just saying, oh, God's not going to do this again, but it's significant to know this. That indeed, we, the communication we have is the eternal communication and God's eternal will. All right, so, uh, so, yeah. So, so the New Testament, according to those that believe in it, they believe that it comes directly from God? That's a good question. I don't know the details. To be honest, I'm not a... I've never studied the New Testament. I mean, I've, we've all heard verses, you know, just casually. I remember watching football games and you see people holding signs like John something or other. You know, and maybe they're referring to John Madden. I don't even know, but there's some sort of sign behind the, the field goal kicker, uh, behind the, um, the end zone. Um, I, I don't know. I'm not, I, don't, I couldn't tell you what the belief is. And honestly, I would, I would, I would bet, without knowing, I would, I would wager, not, not actual, literally, but like, I would guess that there are slight... Ver different versions of what exactly, you know, how everything unfolded in, the, in, 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 you know, the, in Christianity and in, in the tradition. So I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I'm not, uh, I'm not versed in that. But I will tell you that Judaism, 
there's a, even a Talmudic story along these lines, where there was a debate. You know, the Talmud was written in the first few centuries of the Common Era, which is right around the time that Christianity begins and, and takes off. And there were many debates, many debates, that, that, that came up with Talmudic sages and, and whatnot. And, and part of it came down to Judaism is out. That's what they... Judy, clearly, God doesn't like you. God doesn't want you. God rejected you. God sent you out. God destroyed your temple. It's over. The Jewish experiment is over. And we have a 2.0. And, and Jews historically have said, there's no 2.0. It, God doesn't change. And the fact that, yes, there was a destruction of the temple and an exile, that's not proof that God changed his mind. Because the, all of that is foretold in the Torah. The to- we, and it's in Deuteronomy also. What's gonna, there's going to be a cycle. There's going to be an arc. Things are going to be good, then they're not going to be good, and they'll get good again. Right? It's, it's, there's the, uh, the up, down, and up. But the fact that they call it the New Testament, which refers to the Torah, I mean, that in a sense... I, I'm without without being an expert. I can tell you for sure that that they believe in prophets and and communicate divine communication. That there was subsequent divine communication to other prophets for sure. And the nature of those communications, again, in my not expert understanding, is vastly different because Christianity does not my understanding, is not about 613 commandments, even though those are in the, the Old Testament, in the Torah, right? So what happened to those? It's, you don't need to do that anymore. That's what God wanted in the past, but now you don't have to do that. All you need to do is X, Y, and Z. A much shorter list. That's, I believe, kind of some of the underpinnings. But again, what we have here is a very important interpretation of Rashi. Another explanation, Rashi says, he never again revealed himself so publicly. Now, that sounds like, okay, publicly, but privately, yes, but it means even more than that. It's not about public versus private. There's no second Sinai. There's no second covenant. There's no second plan. There's one, there's one, one vision, one plan. All right, uh, let's continue with verse 20. And it was. When you heard the voice, again, Moses is reminiscing. When you heard the voice from the midst of the darkness, and that voice probably should be capitalized, the voice of God. When you heard the voice from the midst of the darkness and the mountain was burning with fire, that you approached me, Moses tells the people, you guys came to me, all the heads of your tribes and your elders. And you said, behold, the Lord our God has shown us his glory and his greatness. And we heard. So, can't see God. God doesn't have an image, right? Remember that? There's no image? Okay. But God has shown us there's fire, there's cloud, there's opaque darkness. What is opaque darkness? Who knows? It sounds cool, though. It's this whole spectacle of, of uh, this vision, this spectacle. So we've seen stuff. We've seen His glory and His greatness. That's with our eyes. And we heard with our ears His voice from the midst of the fire. We saw this day that God speaks with man, yet man remains alive. In other words, we survived. So now, said the people to Moses, as Moses recounts as he, in his recollection, so now the people asked, why should we die? For this great fire will consume us. If we continue to hear the voice of the Lord our God anymore, we will die. Basically, the people said, this was an awe-inspiring experience, and we'll never forget it. 
but it's a little bit too hectic for us to handle. Let's not do this again from our perspective. We're not capable of receiving this word and this spectacle and this vision of God on a daily basis. And they ask the rhetorical question for who is there of all flesh, which human being, who could it be who heard the voice of the living God speaking from the midst of the fires we have and lived? It's not possible. Right? How could you have a human being, a mortal being of flesh and blood, a limited, finite being of flesh and blood, who hears the voice of God amidst the fire, amidst, amidst this visual spectacle as well, and remained living? It's not possible. So the people said to Moses, let's make a deal. You approach God and hear all that the Lord our God will say, and you speak to us all that the Lord our God will speak to you, and we will hear and do. How powerful is that? This is how the, the, the system of divine communication launched. Not, not that it wasn't necessarily the plan of God from the beginning, but the people themselves said, hey, we have an idea. We're not, cap we're not capable of hearing all 613 commandments from God directly. Too intense, too out-of-body experience, whatever you want to call it. Too, like, too hectic. So Moses, you go, you approach, you go, communicate with God, and let us know what he said. Let's do it that way. And the Lord, and, and, and I love this, this, this thing, and we will hear and do. In other words, we're going to listen to you. We'll do it. No, 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 no problem. Verse 25. And the Lord heard the sound of your words when you spoke to me. In other words, God heard your proposal. And the Lord said to me, I have heard the sound of the words of this people that they have spoken to you. They have done well in all they have spoken. In other words, good idea, good suggestion. Not only is God affirming what they said about the process, that Moses will be the one to hear the subsequent commandments and then deliver them to, and relay them to the people. And the people will not hear them all directly from God. Not only is that what God is thumbs up in here, but also the fact that the people said, it's not going to take away from our conviction in the law. That's essentially what they said. In other words, we don't need to hear it directly from God to believe in it. Rather, you go and hear it, and then you tell it to us, and we will hear and do. In other words, we're committed. We're as committed as if we heard it from the source. It's not going to take away in our commitment, not hearing it from you on behalf of the source. It's not going to take anything away. And so God was happy, right? They have done well in all they have spoken. Shkoyach, well done. Well done for the people. Would that their hearts be like this, to fear me and keep all my commandments all the days that it might be well with them and with their children forever. God said, you know what? The people have good intentions. Their heart's in the right place. Their commitment's in the right place. Halavai, if only it should last like this forever. That they'll be on board and they'll listen and they'll follow and they'll hear and they'll do. And that's it. We'll see. All right, so, Moses, so God says to Moses, again, Moses recounts 40 years later, all of this story and that fact that God said to him, go say to them, go tell the people, said God to Moses at Sinai, return to your tents. Go back home. They were, remember, they were all surrounding the, the mountain. They came out and they encircled the mountain for the revelation at Sinai, for the, the, the Ten Commandments, the Torah at Sinai. So God says, all right, 
They don't want to stay around to get everything. They want to go through you. No problem. It's a good idea. Halavai, they should always listen to you. And Okay, so tell them, return to your tents. But as for you, God says to Moses, stand here with me and I will speak to you all the commandments. There you go. The statutes and the ordinances. Okay, these are the three types of mitzvot, which I explained a few days ago. The chukim. I'm sorry. Um, I'll call her mitzvah. Mm, all right, so it doesn't state exactly that a few weeks ago, but the commandments here is called mitzvah, which is commandments, statutes, the chukim, mishpatim, the ordinances. So I will convey to you, God told Moses, all of these specifics, which you will teach them, that they may do them in the land which I give them to possess. Keep them to perform them. Okay, one second. I wish, I wish the... Um, like if I were designing this stylistically, the typesetting, I would do... I know it's online. It's, it's, not, it's not typeset, you know, for this. But I would do like... You know, every time Moses is recounting dialogue, so I would indent that. And maybe put like it in italicized text. Something like that. Or quotation marks around it. So you know like where the... Di- where the flashback begins and ends and then where the current speech continues the current speech continues in verse 29 and 30 all of this was recollection this is what god told him 40 years ago stay with me in the tent and i'll teach you the midst the commandments and you'll teach them to the people moses now turns to the people in front of him before he passes away and he says keep them to perform them Keep the mitzvot, do the mitzvot, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Right? This is now first person. Again, it's not a a flashback. This is Moses speaking. Keep the mitzvot, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Do not turn aside either to the right or to the left. I'm going to share some Rashi's in a moment. Let's continue in all the way which the Lord your God has commanded you, you shall go in order that you may live and that it may be well with you so, and so that you may prolong your days in the land you will possess. We find this so many times in Deuteronomy where Moses sums up whatever flashback, narrative, story, recollection he's sharing and he says, so what's the point? Stick to Torah, stick to the mitzvot, it'll be good for you and you're going to live long and prosper in the promised land. And if not, well, we know what happened. We're here, aren't we? <laughs> We're exiled. We're, we've been in exile. Now, temple's gone. So clearly, it didn't, um, it didn't last forever. Um, but we got a third temple brewing, right? Please God, Mashiach, etc. I want to toggle Rashi and let's see what we missed in some commentary. Okay, here we go. Oh. There's only one Rashi, but I'm going to skip that one. Okay, so we're just doing, we're just going to do the text. All right, pretty straightforward. Let's continue. Um, We have three more verses. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Actually, before we continue, let me check in. Any questions on what we read thus far? Or comments? Commentary? No. All good? Okay. Okay, perfect. Good. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1. 
V'zot ha-mitzvah. This is the commandment. The, let's let Sandrinan, the commandment, the statutes, and the ordinances that the Lord your God commanded to teach you to perform in the land into which you are about to pass to possess it. This is the law that God commanded you, commanded to teach you to do it in the land which you're about to pass to possess it. Okay. In order that, in order that you fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments that I command you, that I command you, you, your son and your son's son all the days of your life and in order that your days may be lengthened. Okay. I feel like the language is a little bit like, I don't know, it's a little bit confusing. So let me, let me see if I can state this in my own words. Essentially, Moses tells the people, again, he's speaking directly to the people shortly before his passing, and he says, this is the law. This, this is Torah. These are the mitzvot. This is what you're supposed to do in the land that you're about to cross over into to get. I'm not going to be with you. This is your, this is your journey. You're going to be going into Israel without me. You'll have Joshua, but stay, stay on board. Stay on message. Stay, stay Jewish. And he says that what's a key? What's a key to staying on the straight and narrow? The idea of Yirat Shemaim, fear of God. Like I've said many times, what does fear of God mean? It doesn't mean that you're like in trepidation, like, oh no, when is God? No, that's unhealthy. It's not what God is not abusive. We're not talking about like an abusive relationship, fear-based abuse, abusive relationship. That's not what Torah is advocating. When Torah used the word yira, lamantira, right, which is translated here as fear, what that means is you should have a sense of reverence and respect and yes, even awe before God. Because it's reverence, respect, and awe that keeps us away from negative behavior, like I explained even a few days ago in one of the classes. It's that, that, that's what keeps us from deviating from where we need to be. So love is a motivator to do something loving. So I love you, so I'm going to do something for you. I respect you, I'm not going to do something to hurt you or to violate your trust. So what keeps us on the straight and narrow? Well, love drives you to wrap tefillin, to, you know, shot. Love motivates the positive actions, but it's the, it's the respect. It's self-respect, respect of God, respect of the relationship that keeps us away from blowing it up, messing up the relationship. Okay, and that will keep us in the good place where we need to be and in the land. Um, sorry, he doesn't mention the land. Um, oh, keep this all days of your life and in order that your days may be lengthened. So there is this promise of long life. Let's continue verse 3. And you shall therefore hearken, O Israel. Hearken is shamaita, again shma, the idea of listen. Hearken, pay attention, and be sure to perform so that it will be good for you so that you may increase exceedingly just as the Lord, the God of your father, spoke to you a land flowing with milk and honey. So what this means is that if you stick, if you, if you stick to, to your end of the deal, God will keep his and you will be successful and be fruitful and multiply just like God promised 
in a land flowing with milk and honey. Remember, there were two promises that God gave to Abraham. Number one, offspring. And number two, a land. And Moses is saying, if we keep our end of the covenant, we keep our end of the deal, we'll have a nation, a strong nation, a populous nation, number one. And number two, we'll have security and peace in the land. Okay, so that is, and what kind of land is it? A land flowing with milk and honey. So that is pretty much reading number five. Let's see if we have more Rashi's here at the end. Nope. A land flowing with milk and honey is one of my favorite imageries that, you know, it's just so... You know what's crazy about that? What's well, Thank you for mentioning that. What's it, it is beautiful. Milk and honey is not even milk and honey. No. It's not even milk and honey. It says that the milk is not necessarily like what we would, like cow's milk. It could be other milk. I don't remember exactly the details. But I know Devash is not honey, honey. It's like date honey. It's like honey from the stuff that the land of Israel is is blessed with. So, but milk and honey also works as far as like, you know, I'm not, I'm not uh, trying to mess up any, any visuals that we have with this. But there is like a bit of a twist on the milk and the honey that's a little bit like, oh, interesting. Whatever. There's a twist on everything. There's always a twist, right? It's always, there's always a twist. You're never, never going to get something like, oh yeah, that's just super straightforward. Okay, so what are the themes that I want to emphasize today? as we kind of like think about this reading and then, you know, re-enter our day and kind of carry the message. So we have number one, the purpose of the spectacle at Sinai, right? Which sounds like a great title, spectacle at Sinai. The purpose of that was to inspire for action. The show was great, right? The whole, the fire and, and you know, the, the, um, the pyrotechnics are, are amazing. But you know what? If it doesn't change us, if it doesn't affect, not change us, right? Nothing can change us. We change ourselves. If it doesn't reach action, implementation, then it's a waste of time. Hate to say it, but it's a waste of time. What was the point? What was the point of Sinai if the people are like, that was amazing. We'll blog about it. And then tomorrow we're on to something else. I mean, that's like, that would be a waste. So we got a number one. There's a spectacle. Something big happens. How do we integrate it? What do we do about it? Right? How do we, how do we live it? This is true not only Sinai. I mean, if you're expecting another revelation at Sinai, I think we kind of we kind of went through that. It's not going to happen. But this is true any big moments in life. We get we get inspired. You know, we hear something, we hear a piece of music, or we see something, or we're learning something. We get inspired. It's like, wow, that was great. I love that. What do we do with that? So you just loved it, right? But now what? So what do we do with it? How do we? Integrate that. That's where the work comes in. That's why we get paid the big bucks to do the work. Hopefully God will give us the big bucks, right? But I mean, like that's, that's where the work comes in. So there's when God sweeps us off our feet, so to speak, and, and, and inspires us and lifts us up with love and, and, and awe and reverence and all that stuff. And then there's the aftermath when, aftermath, when the, when the, um, What's it called? When the honeymoon is over, right? Now what? What does real life look like? To get swept up in the experience is wonderful. A fairy tale, you know, fairy tale moment at Sinai. Great. It's beautiful. But what happens next? What happens next is hard work and, uh, and real life. 
We also read about, so that's point number one. Point number two, we read about how the people turned to Moses and said to Moses, hey, you mind telling us what we need to do because straight to the source is a little bit too big. That reminds us in our life also that not everything we need to pursue. Right? Sometimes things are not, experiences are not good for us. Certain experiences. We have to know ourselves. Um, and everyone's different. You know, when it comes to the easiest application of this, when it comes to certain triggers, challenge triggers. So for somebody, they can see, hear, or eat something, and it doesn't trigger them. But other people, you know, seeing that, hearing that, you know, experiencing it, tasting it, would set off a negative series of events. And we have to know ourselves and be very vigilant in saying, okay, hold on, this is something that's, you know, not healthy for me, so I'm going to stay away. Um, some practical examples. I don't know. I mean, it's like, um, it could be anything. I mean, it's so open-ended. It's such, it's such a truth in life. Um, I don't know. Well, whatever it is, whatever, you know, we all know our own vices. We know our own, you know, how our buttons get pushed, whatever that means. So let's do as the Jews did in ancient times and said to Moses, you know what? You go in there and just let us know what we need to know. So if we need to know something, we need to, okay, let's get the information. We don't need to like throw ourselves into the experience. All right, that is the second message. The next message that I wanted to, that, that just in, in summary of today's session together. Um, what else did we have? We had the idea. Yeah, I mean the, the basic idea. That's going to be the standard boilerplate of, of Deuteronomy, which is, Moses telling the people, essentially, please, I beg of you, please don't drop the ball. Please just keep on doing what you need to be doing, and you'll have all the blessings. You'll have the long life, you'll have the prosperity, you'll have the security in the land, you'll have the offspring, and you'll all the blessings. Don't sabotage it. And I think that's the final thing that I want to say today at this session, which is sabotage. We're good at sabotaging things, right? We're good at sabotaging things. That's the way it is. So Moses says, don't sabotage. There's a clear path. You know what you need to do. You know the, the, the script is there. Just follow the script and you got everything you need. I should mention in our own lives, we, we live in, a, in, in, in an exilic, in an exile state of reality. And in this state of reality, sometimes when we walk down that path and we do the right thing, it doesn't work out. We've talked about this many times, pass a test and another test hits us. That could be even worse or even harder than the first. Struggling with something and then we push through and we do the right thing even though it was difficult and then more suffering. Doesn't seem fair. Why? Many different approaches to answer, to address this question. Here's one approach for today. We live in exile. We live in a state of Galut, not only physically, you can live in Israel also. It's still a state of, of exile. And the, the, the psalmist, the author of Psalms, King David, compares exile to a dream. In fact, it's in this psalm that we say on Shabbat and holidays before we bench the blessed blessing after meal. Shir Hamalo Bishuv Hashem at Shivat Sion Hayinu Kecholmim. It will be 
that when we return to Zion, that we will say or we will have been like dreamers. When Mashiach comes and we come back to, to Zion, to Jerusalem, with a temple, the whole deal, we'll look back and say, all of that was a dream. What does that mean? If we could pinch ourselves, feels real. What does it mean it's a dream? Kabbalah explains, in a dream, two opposites can coincide. The impossible is possible. And a dream, like when, when, when we are dreaming, you know, you wake up and you say, wow, I had a, such an amazing dream. Let me tell, you, you say to somebody, I want to tell you about my dream. And you begin telling the dream and you're like, whoa, that doesn't make any sense. But it made so much sense in your, in your dream-like state. It, made, it just made all the sense in the world. But the moment you're lucid, the moment you wake up, you're like, oh, that made no sense at all. Like, that, that, was, that was just sugar. That was crazy. Like something impossible. And it was like, oh yeah, totally. And so that's what King David is saying. When Mashiach comes, we'll look back and say, that was a dream. That whole thing made no sense, right? Like, how could it be that the wicked prosper? And how could it be that the righteous suffer? It's an upside down reality. How could it be that a reward for doing a mitzvah could be sometimes another challenge? God forbid. Somebody who only wants to do good could be God, forbid, be, God forbid, beset by a health challenge. How does that make any sense? Here you have somebody who's ready, ready to, do, to do what they need to do to you know, do God's mission on earth, and they don't have the resources or, or ability to do so. How does that make sense? And it doesn't. It only makes sense because it doesn't make sense, but it's only possible in a dream, in exile. It's only possible to have this level of confusion and suffering in a state of exile. And so I think the final message here is, I may have said that a few times, but the final, final message here is the idea that in a true reality or seeing the world from, from its truest reality, it's clear that doing the right thing begets, so to speak, not baguette, but begets Right, brings, summons forth all the blessings, as Moses lists over here. Long life and prosperity and um, children and grandchildren, and others like more, 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 popu- more population and the security in the land, the land flowing with milk and honey. So even though we can't see it, even though sometimes it seems like you know, it doesn't make sense, just know that it's a dream. But just because it's a dream doesn't mean that there's not a real life. Just because sometimes we're in the matrix doesn't mean that there's not a reality outside. That reality exists simultaneous. And therefore, we should never get despondent by not seeing the fruits of our labor. We should keep on doing what we need to do and create the transformation that we wish to see. Oh, I thought Sandrine was here. I thought we let her on. Okay. All right. Maybe she had to jump back out. All right. Great to see everyone. Any questions, comments? No? Okay. Thank, no, thank you so much. Pleasure. Is there a class? Do we have a class in anything tonight? No, no, we have not resumed a new Thursday night session. Um, okay. Stay tuned because stuff is rapidly coming out. So stay tuned for more fun and excitement. Um, is Sunday a film? Yes, yes. Sunday night is a film. Thanks for asking. Sunday night is the Fiddler on the Roof. Oh, here's Sandrine. Oh, the Fiddler on the Roof documentary that we had to cancel. Right. I know. I know some of you were uh, were signed up for it. 
We had to cancel yeah. that one due to the threat of rain. It was over 50%, and it ultimately did rain that evening here. So I'm glad we canceled it, but we're, it's back on the schedule for this Sunday night. Wow, we have amazing food. Oh my gosh, New York, like we're calling it like old, authentic old world food, but I'll just tell you the menu includes just from memory, like hot pastrami sandwiches, like good, like think of like rye bread with like pastrami and coleslaw, right? With the like, yeah, like good food. Knishes, potato knishes, chopped liver, with like crackers and um, what else did we do? Rugalach. Yeah. So no, I mean like we're theming it based on the film, Fiddler or whatever. So it's kind of right. like we're, 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 we have themed food and that is this Sunday night starting at 8 p.m. So join us, invite your friends to join, spread the word. It's on Facebook. There's a link on you know, the website and let's get, let's get the party started. It's going to be a lot do of we fun. Do sign up, Rabbi? Ideally, it helps. It helps okay. with quantities of everything and shares and all that stuff. But even okay. if you didn't sign up, you can still show up. It's fine. No one, no one gets turned away. Um, but it's easier to plan when we have advanced yes, RSVPs. Of course. Great, great. So that's that. And then the following week, the following Sunday, this is a personal invite. We're having our first ever summer barbecue fest. Oh, wow. Maybe I'll throw it fest for no reason. Summer barbecue open to everyone come out and enjoy the beautiful outdoors and some great food it's going to be a southern style barbecue so think like pulled beef pulled brisket sliders and you know all the fixins with the traditional barbecue and whatever just a really good really good food so we have a few good things and then the week after is, an, is another film so sundays are are going to be Pretty, uh, pretty po um, popular around here. Just to, as a quick note, this Sunday for the film, because we're fighting with the, with the sun, right? The sun doesn't want us to show films. We have to, right. we have to fight with the sun until the sun goes down. So we'll start at eight, we'll eat, we'll schmooze, and then by 8, 20, 8, 30, we can get the film started. Um, next week though, for the bar the week after for the barbecue, we're starting already a decent time, five o'clock. When I say decent, I mean, it's, it's more about, you know, schmoozing, community connection and dinner. So we're starting at five o'clock for that. So just check, check your local listings always to make sure for the time. All right, I think that's it. Um, Kabbalah, so tomorrow we're back. Yeah, nothing tonight, Kabbalah, um, sorry, DPP back on tomorrow at, at noon. We'll cover reading six and seven and, and wrap up this Torah portion tomorrow. We have um, on Sunday, Kabbalah and Coffee in person and on Zoom. I don't think I'm teaching Monday. I gotta look at my schedule. All right, we'll look at the schedule. I think it's a little quiet to the end of July. I mean, the regular stuff and a few, you know, the Sunday things, but then in August, we kick back in. We have the scribe workshop, we have a unreleased, unannounced, but I feel like we're friends. So we're gonna be doing a chauffeur making workshop where you okay. will make, yeah, you'll have a chance to oh, make wow. your own show. Yeah, really cool. Make your own, yeah, where you can make and then toot your own horn. So that's, that's, I'm here all week. That's going to be amazing. Coming up in August, we have a new course with Mrs. Nomi Freeman. That's going to launch also, remember Mrs. Nomi Freeman? She taught Kabbalah of the Supernatural and she so did. That course, maybe? That's going to be called 60 Days. 
60 days. It's going to be on the energy of the Jewish months of Elul and Tishrei. So the Hebrew, the Jew, the 30 days preceding the holiday season, and then the 30 days of the month of Tishrei, the high holidays. Well, August, so then, right? That's going to be starting in mid-August. Yeah, starting in mid-August, we'll have um, 60 days, the course, and 60 days, the actual days. So, so both will happen, and then. Oh, we have the JLI retreat. Everyone's invited June, um, August 10th through 15th. What else? All right. Take, take a look at the local listings. It's and all your good. your JLI course is going to start up again. Which one? Which one? JLI. J, well, JLI is starting. Okay, here's the thing with JLI. The JLI official flagship is starting after the holidays. So it's only going to be in October. So that's already a few months out. But we're doing other stuff in between. I'll do a high holiday boot camp, um, three sessions, preparation for the holidays. That's different from uh, Mrs. Freeman's sessions. She's going to be doing um, like an in-depth text study and meditation, really cool stuff. And then I'm just going to be doing like, not just, but I'll be doing kind of a 60-minute boot camp, like Torah study style thing in the evenings. Um, so that is that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's stuff is already populating, you know, slowly on the website and you'll see it kick in. So periodically, I would check it, I don't know, I would check it at least one or two times every 10 minutes. Joking. <laughs> check it periodically, you know, hit refresh, keep that tab open, and you'll check out the new stuff as it, as it comes up. I'm actually waiting on a few from our designer, waiting on a few designs so that we can, you know, get it up on the website. The chauffeur factory and the 60 day course, 60 days course. All right. Check, uh, t check, the, check the website. I'll let you know for sure. But don't forget, we got the film coming up on Sunday and the barbecue the following Sunday. A lot of fun. All right. Ray, Donna, Sarah, Mark, and Sandrine. Good to see you guys. All right. Take care. Have a wonderful day. See you guys. Rabbi, I want to make a Sunday. Oh, Ray, I'm still here. Okay. Um, um, a sister-in-law um, of mine, her, your, uh, your site is Saturday night and Sunday. Is Got that it. the 16th of Av? That is, yeah. Yeah, 16th okay. of Saturday, Sunday. I don't know her Hebrew name, I, but um, I'd like to donate $36 in, in her memory. Her name is Claire Bellman. Okay, so one second. Let me, yeah, well, hold on a second. We're right. Give me one second, and I'm gonna write this down so okay. that I don't uh, so that I don't miss out on the names. And I'm gonna yeah. write up something, and I can send you a um, like a a bit of a dedication thing that you can then forward. I don't know if you want that, but we can we can do that if you'd like um, to send you um, like a a dedication you know message. Okay, tell me tell me her name. Claire. Bellman. Okay, Claire. Yeah, it's terrible. I don't know her Hebrew name. Bellman. Do you know her father's name? I know nothing about her. Okay. It's very sad. Okay, no worries. And the, the yard said is 16 um, of. So I'd light a candle of a messy Shabbos, right? Yeah, after Abdullah, yeah. And then, yeah, okay. Yeah, 24 so, hours, yeah. Yeah, I, okay. 
Okay. I feel bad that I really don't know anything about her. Okay. Well, there's always the opportunity to learn, and uh, certainly well, her neshama will be. My husband was the last of the four sons, and mm. no one had children. Wow. And it's yeah, it's it is very sad, oh. and and I didn't. I I only know what I know. Do you know where she was laid to rest? Yes, there. Uh, well, you won't be happy with the answer. There is a Bellman plot in Florida, uh, but she's not in it because she chose to be buried in a, a something marble, something. Oh, like uh, a mausoleum. Like a mausoleum. Yeah, 